you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 116 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and today, the A's made a trade. So in the first segment, I'm going to run down the A's and Angels infield swap and how the A's will likely utilize their new edition moving forward. In the second segment, I'll venture and uh, guess what's coming next for the A's, because uh, the trade deadline is on Monday. So I don't think that the A's are done. I feel like they're going to make a move with the bullpen or with uh, starting rotation somewhere in there. I think that there's uh, one person who could be on the way out, so I'll, I'll talk about why that is uh, there in the second segment. So uh, before I get into the big trade that happened, uh, eh, big it, the trade that happened, let's call it, uh, please follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send them to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So if you listen to Thursday's show, you heard me say that I felt like Franklin Barreto would probably get moved either at this trade deadline or over the winter. It took roughly two days. Uh, it's really weird that, you know, Bob Melvin keeps making lineup adjustments according to the podcast and uh, Billy Bean and uh, David Forrest, they just started trading guys that I started talking about. So so I'm pretty sure that they figured out that the new market inefficiency is listening to podcasts done by fans and then acting accordingly because they make sense. So you know, that this podcast is the new market inefficiency. I might name the, the episode that. That'd be fun. But anyways, let's get into the trade. Uh, the A's traded Frank Lombaretto for Angels infielder Tommy Lastella. Lastella mostly plays second base. He can also play third and a little bit around the diamond, but you know, mostly second base. So the A's have addressed their quote-unquote weakest position. Uh, and by weakest, I think they mean position that is not manned by a mat or a third-place AL MVP finisher or a rookie phenom uh, catcher, or one of the amazing outfielders that we have, and also the DH that's, you know, fourth outfielder who's taking over at DH. So I think that that's what they meant by weakest position, is like, yeah, Tony Kemp's doing fine, but I guess we could improve. And looking at, at the stats for Tom Estella, I'm not mad at this trade. Uh, I, I like Tony Kemp a lot. I think that he's wonderful. Um, but Tommy Lastella is doing really, really well. He is batting 273 this season in 117 plate appearances. That is right in line with his career average, so it's not really a small sample size. He's just, you know, roughly a 273 hitter. Uh, he has a 130 OPS plus, which is 30% better than league average, and his 6% strikeout rate is in the top of 1% of baseball. It's him and Nolan Arenado, end of list at the top of, you know, K percentage rate. So uh, he doesn't strike out much. He walks a decent amount. He has uh, good contact skills. So that is probably why the A's wanted him. Uh, actually, that, there's another reason. I'll get into that here in a second. But um, according to Baseball Savant, he's just crushing off-speed pitches this year. He's batting 368 with a slugging percentage of 579, and both are fairly close to the expected numbers for his both batting average and slugging percentage. So it's not a fluke. He's earning the results that he's getting. And, uh, you know, those aren't bad for a second baseman. I will tell you that. Um, also, I, I said that I would get to the key of why the A's traded for him. The key. I mean, yes, he's a le another left-handed bat. So that is that is nice. I, I like having another lefty in the in the lineup. Uh, Tony Kemp's also a lefty, so he's kind of replacing another lefty. But, you know, beside the point, it doesn't matter. But the key to Tommy Lostella is he's batting 313 with runners in scoring position. And uh, 
I, I know that's like, you know, fine, but on the A's, that's amazing. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, getting some, some hits with runners in scoring position. That, that'd be a big plus. I, yes, please. Thank you. And please. The one downside when it comes to Tommy Lestella, though, is given his splits right now, uh, he's much better against righties than lefties. But when you look at the other guys that are at the second base position, his splits against lefties are actually still better. So, uh, that's worrisome, but also fine, I guess. Um, I'll, here are the splits. Uh, versus righties this season, Lestella is batting 306 and he's batting 185 against lefties. So that 185 average, and, you know, like a Vimeo Machine, I think, is like over two with two walks. So he's not really in in play anymore anyway. Uh, he, he might get some at bats late in the season once the A's wrap things up, but uh, Chad Pender's also not doing great in these situations. Pinder is batting just 150 against left-handed pitchers, and he is 3 for 21, so 150. Uh, Tony Kemp has had two at-bats. He hasn't got a hit in either of those. So it's basically been Chad Pinder against righties or lefties, as we assumed. Um, so I think that Tommy LaSalle is probably going to be the everyday guy. Um, and there's talk that he might just slot in second into the, the lineup. And sure, I mean, that makes sense. But also, He's around a bunch of guys that don't get on base, and if his thing is getting hits with runners in scoring position, you need people on base for him. And if he says in second, then you got you know uh, Marcus, and then then he's up. So that's kind of weird. Um, I was looking over the on base percentages for the team, and everybody in the outfield that usually hits you know towards the bottom of the lineup, those are the guys that are getting on base right now. Just running down the on base percentage leaderboard uh, from the A's, from everybody who's had at least 20 uh, plate appearances. You got Robbie Grossman, number one, at 427. Mark Cann is at 404. Tony Kemp is at 378. Ramon Laureano is at 361. Sean Murphy coming up out of nowhere. He's fifth on the team. He's got a 329 on base. Then you got Piscotti at 312. Uh, Olsen is just over 300 at 307. Marcus Simeon is at 291. And then Matt Chapman is at 289. Those are, uh, you know, if, if you're going to put Tommy LaStella at the top of the lineup, not even ahead of these guys. I, I don't know that that makes a lot of sense given the statistics. Um, I could definitely see him slotting in like fifth or sixth maybe. And it, it would take some finagling, I think. But, you know, maybe put like Ramon Laureano back in the two hole and see what happens there. Because uh, you have enough guys that are getting on base. But if you cluster them all together, then, you know, sure, they might score runs. But lengthen the lineup a little bit there and make it so that the whole lineup looks more fearsome as opposed to like these three hitters right here. Like if you're facing, uh, you know, Trout, Otani, and Rendon at their peaks, then you know that that's more terrifying. But if you have, you know, uh, obviously Tommy Lasella is not there anymore. Uh, David Fletcher is another good piece. But if you put them all right there as the top five, then you don't really got to worry about, you know, the Jason Castros and the Albert Pujols and you know the the other, you know, bottom half of the lineup as much, just because they're all just kind of there clustered together in their own right. So you got like a really good top five, and then like a fine bottom four and you're like ah, hey, here's the lineup uh, if you spread them out a little bit then you're like oh wait there's not really much of a break there and uh that's probably the better route to take um I, my guess is uh they're, they're saying that Tommy Lostella is going to be in town for game one he might not start game one but he will be there for both games probably playing game two of the A's doubleheader which I'll talk about here in a sec but my guess is that with the on-base percentages the way that they are and Lostella being a, a pretty decent guy to have up at the plate with runners in scoring position, they're going to kind of move him around a little bit. You might see him second to start off with for a couple of games. Then you might see him sixth or eighth or something like that. And they're just trying to put him in the best position. It's not really anything about his skill level or anything like that. They're just trying to put him in the spot where 
somebody's going to get on base and, uh, ahead of him, and then he's going to bring him in. And I think that that's what they're going to be trying to do here in probably the next week or two, maybe throughout the, the rest of the season. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the trade deadline goes, I guess. Speaking of the rest of the trade deadline, uh, I, I did my trade deadline preview before, uh, mentioning some guys that I thought might be on the move. Um, the A's are looking for a starting pitcher at this point. It might be like a, a Kevin Gossman. We'll see. Uh, Taiwan Walker already got moved. I, I like him a lot. And, uh, you know, darn. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be in that Gossman range. I don't know that they're going to be going for a, a big name at this point. Uh, Michael Givens is a reliever that seems to be uh, from the Orioles, who seems like a lot of teams are coveting right now. So uh, there might be a little bit of a frenzy for him uh, in the coming days. Uh, I mean, if the Nationals decide to sell, that could be a, th- a, a big, you know, market that would be open up. And if they want to go and trade, you know, Max Scherzer, I don't know that the A's could afford him, but, you know, you can dream, can't you? Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks could be traders. They got Robbie Ray. He'd be interesting. Archie Bradley be interesting. Uh, I always get them confused. I think Robbie Ray has the terrible walk numbers, but good, good uh, strikeout numbers. And then Archie Bradley's the reliever who's decent. So Bradley would be a good one, maybe. We'll see. Um, I always get them confused. We want the good one, not the guy that walks everybody. That'd be a bad one. Um, so yeah, um, I, I don't know what they're going to do necessarily, but I do think that given this trade that happened today with the A's and Angels and Tommy Lastella getting added, Chad Pinder could be used as a as a trade piece. I think that this kind of solidified that a little bit more. And if you use the same train of thought where they wanted to get, you know, they didn't want to give up Frank Lombretto, but they moved Frank Lombretto because he is out of options and doesn't allow them a lot of flexibility if they're not going to be able to play him. Uh, same thing kind of goes for Chad Pinder. He's got a couple of years of contract control with the team. So, you know, that that's a plus when you're trying to trade somebody. And uh, I think that right now, Tony Kemp playing better. Vimy Machin has, you know, six years of team control or five years maybe after this year. Um, but you know, that's something that the A's would covet. So I don't know that they would get enough to move either of those guys necessarily. But uh, I think that Chad Bender could be used as a trade piece to go get somebody, you know, he's not quite like a Ben Zobris, but you know, people, teams like the Chad Pender. My dad likes Chad Pender. He keeps getting mad at me for saying that the A's might trade Chad Pender. Uh, he wrote me out of his will, but I'm going to keep doing it because I'd rather be right than loved. So coming up in the second half, I'm going to talk about a uh, more, more, little more trade talk. I'm going to talk about the A's uh, statement with the Houston Astros in, in conjunction with the Houston Astros. That was nice on a Friday night and why they're going to be playing a couple games on Saturday. So I'm going to do all that here in a second. But first, uh, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write the code Locked On. that's two words, Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box, and let them know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Welcome back to the show. B 
Be sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And uh, if you have any mailbag questions for us, please send them to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So real quick, I'm just going to wrap up uh, talking about Tommy LaStella and what comes next with him. Uh, he is 31 years old. As I mentioned, he is a free agent at the end of the season, as I mentioned. Um, and I think that due to COVID, players like Tommy LaStella are going to have a hard time on the free agent market. So if the A's, you know, end up losing out on Marcus Simeon in free agency, then maybe they bring back Tommy LaStella for a season or two. I think that he'd be at their price point because, you know, he's making like $4 million this year. So not a big not a big number by any means. Uh, they could probably get him for like two years and six to eight million or something like that. So it wouldn't be a very costly move. He's been solid. Get him for a couple more years. He'd probably take it because I don't know that the market's going to be there for him. But if they don't go the free agent route and get somebody like a veteran on a short deal, they could probably go the Sheldon Noisy route. He is a right-handed bat. It'd be nice to, he, he might even make it uh, up in 2020 because now they need a right-handed bat that could, you know, mash a little bit. So uh, maybe that's what's coming down the pike. But uh, they got Nick Allen uh, as the shortstop of the of the future most likely he has played in Stockton so he's probably another year or two away so having somebody like David Fletcher there to keep the spot warm for a little bit as he's you know getting into his 30s wouldn't be a terrible idea uh you still got Vimy Almachin I believe you still got Tony Kemp there so there'd be pieces uh to to work with for sure even without Franklin Barreto there and even if uh, Marcus Simeon does go somewhere else so uh that's the take on that for right now I'm sure we'll talk about the off season a whole lot during the off season, but hopefully we got a couple of months until you know after the A's win the World Series, and we can talk about that a whole bunch. One name that is kind of getting some interest a little bit on the trade market is uh you know if the Brewers do fall out of it, would they trade Josh Hader? He's been coveted by basically every team in baseball for the last number of years since he debuted. Uh, he is a former Astros farmhand. He got traded in the uh, Carlos Gomez and Mike Fires deal uh, back in 2015, I believe, and he was still a prospect at that point. He, uh, he has made it to the Brewers and made an impact on the Brewers, so he's been doing good. Uh, he is still arbitration eligible and has three more years of control. So I feel like if the A's were going to make like a big, wow, we're going for it type move, it'd be to go get Josh Hader and make him be, you know, the Josh Hader type of the playoffs. You still got Liam Hendricks as the closer, but then you got Josh Hader who can fill in like two, three innings if you need him to without making any changes to the starting rotation whatsoever. And that could be a big move because he could have uh, a role in a couple of different games in a series or, you know, three games if it goes seven games. Um, and that would be a bigger impact overall than getting one starter who would be like, okay. Um, so I think that at this point, and this is speculation, I have no sources whatsoever, but if they're going to make a big move, it's going to be for a guy like Josh Hader. Um, I'll go over the where the Brewers are in the standings real quick. Um, but if you know they're going to be Oakland A's about it, they're going to get like a Kevin Gossman or something like that. I don't think that Johnny Cueto's on the radar. He costs too much money. He's owed like $25 million if they use the, the opt-out in two years. And he's not pitching like um, like a Shane Bieber right now. He's pitching like an older Johnny Cueto, which... I could see the A's paying that much, you know, maybe not even 25, even if the Giants paid half of that and that was like 12 million over the next couple of years or next year, basically, um, then maybe, but he's not pitching at an elite level and the A's don't like spending money. So why, why would they make that trade and give up prospects to make them come over to Oakland? That doesn't make a lot of sense. So uh, I, I don't think that Johnny Cueto's in the cards for the, uh, the Oakland A's, but uh, real quick, the Milwaukee Brewers are 14 and 17. Uh, they are currently 
in a weekend series against the Pittsburgh Pirates, the worst team in baseball. They just got no hit by Lucas Giolito, so I don't know that this is the weekend to be like, ah, they're out of it. Uh, They're right at the end edge of the playoffs right now in that 7-8 seed, uh, 7-8-9 area. So if you want to see Josh Hader get traded, let alone today, it's just at all, you need the Pirates to take a couple of those games. So uh, that's what we're hoping for this weekend. We're hoping for a Pirate sweep, go Pirates, go Bucks, and all that stuff. Uh, I'm just going to wrap up by talking about the A's and Astros. The two teams are set to play a series this weekend, and they were supposed to play uh, on Friday last night, and they... In, in fact, did not play a baseball game because uh, as the A's did in Texas against the Rangers on Thursday, uh, where they just didn't play, the A's and Astros did a similar thing to the Mets and Marlins on Thursday, um, where they took the field, uh, tipped their hats for 42 seconds, and then left the field and left a Black Lives Matter jersey on uh, home plate, along with an A's and Astros 42 jersey. And so that was kind of cool. Uh, some people were wondering, you know, is it the right time to do it? Because it's Jackie Robinson Day. We should be celebrating him. But I do think that Jackie Robinson would have been doing something about it. He would have been making us think about, you know, what's going on in the world right now. So I don't think that he would have been quiet about it. So uh, I, I'm okay with him doing it. And just because they didn't play yesterday, uh, they're going to be doing a doubleheader today. You got uh, Chris Bassett against Lance McCullers. McCullers has struggled a decent amount this year. He has a 574 ERA. Uh, he hasn't looked as, you know, Lance McCullery as he, Lance McCullersy. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, he hasn't looked Lance McCullersy uh, this season. He's still coming back from Tommy John. So uh, hopefully he doesn't, you know, put it all together against the A's. And then you got Frankie Montas, who's, we're still trying to figure out, get get a hold on where he is right now. This will be a good test for him. He's going against that Granky, who is, uh, you know, a beast. So uh, hopefully he doesn't just be like, hey, guys, we're throwing a changeup on this one. And then the A's swing through it. I would really like for them, if he does that, to just hit it over the fence because that would be uh, fantastic. Um, so yeah, you got a doubleheader. The first game is at 110 Pacific. So second game, I assume, is, you know, roughly half an hour after that. Um, so that's what we got on tap for the weekend. You got one more game on Sunday as well. And from a purely baseball standpoint here, I think that playing a doubleheader kind of goes into the A's hand a little bit more because their bullpen's a little bit more solid. Uh, doesn't hit people as often, so that's a plus. Um, so I think that they have enough arms in there to compensate for two games as long as they get some length out of you know their starting pitchers. And they got two guys on there that can give them a little bit of length, so that's a plus. Um, I don't know that the Astros' bullpen could handle it. So if they can get to Lance McCullers in the first game, that would be a huge plus because, as we've seen, they got a bunch of rookies pitching this year, and they've pitched very well when they have been on their streak. The rookies were pitching phenomenally. So I think that you know they, they, they've gotten a little bit better over the last couple of weeks, but I think that they can still be taken advantage of, hopefully, uh, or we can just play 13 innings and you know call it good. So that's uh, that. Uh, but today I want to wrap up... Um, as you may have heard, Chadwick Boseman, the actor who played both Jackie Robinson and uh, Prince or King T'Challa in Black Panther, it, he passed away on Friday night. And, uh, you know, I, everybody's posting about, you know, how he played Jackie Robinson and posting clips from the movie and how he passed away on Jackie Robinson Day this year. And, you know, that that's a bunch of big stuff. And this is the first actor or, you know, celebrity that's died that I've been like, man, this one kind of this one kind of hits a little bit. And I think that it's partially because of, you know, his role as T'Challa in Black Panther, where, uh, you know, uh, my, I got to see the movie with my wife many times in theaters, uh, mostly did it her behest. And, uh, you know, I got to see that movie through her eyes and that made it really special. And it made me just really appreciate the work that he had done 
and uh, you know all of the roles that he had played were just fantastic. I think that we uh, we really lost a good one today, so uh, that sucks. But anyways, I'm gonna get out of here, you guys. We got a whole weekend of Astros and A's games. I'll be live tweeting those along with you guys for as long as I can because uh, two games is a lot. I don't know that I can make it, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna really try. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so I'll be back on Monday. Well, I'll record on Sunday. I'll be back on Monday talking about the whole uh, A's Astros series. Hopefully, the A's have a nice little cushion in the AL West and it doesn't get really tight and really warm in here because I'm tired of the heat. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll discuss all that stuff on Monday for you guys. Um, in the meantime, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks. Wakanda forever. And I will talk to you guys on Monday.